Bible tonight, I want to encourage you to turn with me, please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 in the Word of God. And uh, I want to read a portion of Scripture to you, and then uh, I think you'll find that it is a familiar portion, but I want us to do a study tonight on glorifying God in the church. Glorifying God in the church. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, and verse number 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Lord, help us tonight to understand the truth that is laid before us and what that means for each of us. For this we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Here we discover God's will for the church. And it is that we might glorify Him throughout all ages. That means that in every dispensation of time, God has ordained that His people should render glory and should render honor unto Him. He said, throughout all ages, world without end. That means that it doesn't matter, come what may, pandemic or no pandemic, if governments rise or governments fall, if there's calamity or catastrophe, it's world without end. It doesn't matter, come what may. This is God's will in this dispensation of time for His church that we bring Him glory. And if Him saying world without end was not emphatic enough, Paul writes, Amen, meaning, so be it. And so, my friends, tonight I believe that we can discern from the truth laid before us that God's plan for us as members in particular of the body of Jesus Christ is that we render honor and glory unto the Lord. Now, there's a huge preponderance of scriptures that would give us this indication. I'll just share a few with you as we begin our message tonight. The Bible says in Psalm 29 and verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. And so we're directed to give unto the Lord the glory that is due His name. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. We read in verse uh, number 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. My friends, we don't have any standing whereby we can glory in our own accomplishments, whereby that we can really honestly glory in ourselves. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. You see, God's plan is for we who make up the body of Christ to bring Him honor and glory. Now, I want to just simply say this to you, that the Bible reveals something that is profound, and it says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 9, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sat on the throne who liveth forever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And I think about what it says in that next chapter, Revelation 5 and verse number 12, verse 11. I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb to receive, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You say, uh, why do we uh, give glory unto the Lord? We could continue uh, reading on about every creature which is in heaven and on earth, they're going to sing blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Listen, we're going to give God glory. Why do we do that? I'm going to tell you why. He is worthy of glory. He is entirely deserving of glory. He is altogether Beautiful. That's why we, as it says in Psalm 29 too, worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. And I want you to understand that God is good. He's good all the time. 
And my friends, I want you to understand that because God is good, we, we also know that He's holy. And for this reason as well, the judgment of God comes upon the children of disobedience, the wrath of God. And that is an indication of the goodness of the Lord because He has to deal with sin. And we know that Jesus in love, because He's good, God in the flesh, bore our sins in His own body on the tree that we might be saved. And my friends, He is entirely deserving He's worthy of glory. And none of us are because we are corrupt, we are sinful, and we are totally undeserving of God's glory. Paul said, listen, I am what I am by the grace of God. And what that literally means is that Paul was undeserving to be what he was, an apostle of God. He was entirely undeserving. He said, unto me, uh, who am less than the least of all saints, is this uh, uh, grace given that I should preach Christ among the Gentiles. He realized that the work that God gave him to do, he was unworthy in and of himself to do. Sometimes folks come to me and they say, well, uh, Pastor, I can't serve the Lord because I'm, I'm really not worthy. And you know, I'm glad you came to that realization. God was waiting on you to get there. Because it's not until we come to that place that we are going to truly and fully be, able to be effective for the Lord. So, listen, God can't use a vessel in His work that has not first been broken And the fact is, once we are broken and we come to terms with the frailty and the sinfulness of our flesh outside of Jesus Christ, it is then and only then that we reckon with our own unworthiness and with the absolute worthiness of Jesus Christ, worthy to receive all of our glory. He's wonderful. He's altogether lovely. He's a beautiful Savior. And tonight I tell you that it should just spring forth from the hearts of true believers in Jesus who understand what He has delivered us from, what God has saved you from, to bring Him glory and honor, to thank Him with praise because you realize that He's the only one who is deserving of that praise. I believe that it's important for us to understand that God said, Unto Him be glory in the church. Now, I just want to tell you something. Uh, I believe that that's God's plan for the organism called the body of Christ, which is the church. To It's entirely uh, our work to bring God glory with everything that we do. We, we give Him all of the credit. We give Him all of the honor. We give Him all of the adulation because He's deserving of it. He's worthy of it. And I believe that there are many ways in which the body of Christ made up of many uh, living stones, the Bible calls us. All true believers in Jesus Christ are baptized by one Spirit into that body, the body of Jesus Christ. And we, and we see that revealed in 1 Corinthians and chapter number 12. And friends, We are members in particular of that. Uh, We read in the book of Ephesians that the church is the building of God. It is comprised of living stones, and that's reiterated by what Peter said in his epistles. And 
we discover that we are in particular members of that body. So my friends, I just want to tell you something. That the church is not this building. The church is not the infrastructure of the building. The church is not per se, the organization that we call the ministry. The church is not the assets of the ministry that we monetize and enumerate and take inventory of. The church is comprised of living stones of which all who name the name of Jesus Christ in sincerity are members. And so God is not just desiring that that a building given glory, or that, that a ministry per se given glory, but that you and I who are members of a body and gathered together in a local body called Freeway Baptist Church, use our collective effort to render glory and honor to God. It is His desire and will for us in every dispensation of time and age. And let me say, Freeway Baptist Church uh, last month just passed a milestone uh, this church came into existence, had its first organizational uh, meeting in February of 1958. And uh, so I, 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 you can do the math on that. Uh, I think we are now 63 years old as a church. Praise the Lord for that. And, and, but I want to tell you, God's plan, His purpose, and His will for Freeway Baptist Church is the same today as it was in 1958 when Sam Staggs left Bob Jones College and and moved to Phoenix, Arizona and and moved into a home in Freeway Park off of Freeway Lane and in that little house that was built by his uh, brother's construction company, Stag Built Homes. They moved in that little house and started holding uh, services. And then they took two building lots and put them together. And, and his brother, Ralph Staggs, brought a, uh, several crews of men together and they built the Fellowship Hall in 1958. And they, they put up the walls in a day. There were eight crews of uh, of bricklayers and masons that came together and they built that thing and God established a work here. And the work and the purpose of God is the same today as it was back then. To bring honor and glory to the Lord. And of course we know that we do so by many means within the body. By our subjection to what His Word teaches us to do. And to bring others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Which is God's great commission unto the church. And I want to just... I say tonight that there are several things that we must consider. I think that uh, we need to understand that in order to uh, give God the glory in the church, we need to recognize that we must do it through the Scriptures. We can't just take it from church growth experts that have written books. We can't just take it from those that have a podcast or a webcast and uh, they, they've seen some measure of success, we think, because they've gathered some people together and they've built some buildings and they've written some books, which doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they're bringing honor and glory to the Lord. All it means is that they've gathered some people together and built some buildings and written some books. But I, I do want to say this to you. There are those today that are following after every 
church growth pundit and expert that there is to try to figure out how to do the work of the Lord. And let me just say this, we will never fulfill our purpose as a church by following what man says. We can only fulfill our purpose of glorifying God by doing what God declares. Above all, the church is a faith-based organization. That's how it all gets started, my friends. For by grace are you saved through faith, right? And so we realize that it's, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. By faith, uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so that faith is a gift that God gives us. But understand something. Romans 10, 17 declares, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Apart from this, my friends, uh, if we don't center everything that we do in what God said in His word, what makes us different than the girls and boys club? What makes us different than the local nonprofit charitable organization? What makes us different from, uh, from Alcoholics Anonymous or from some group that gets together with the stated purpose of trying to, to do good to people and help them? The fact of the matter is, apart from the Word of God, we are nothing more than a social organization. You see, Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. We know God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that is on the platform of the Word of God alone. And so we can give God the glory through the Scriptures. And, and let me tell you, the basis and foundation for our fellowship is not having commonality about all of the temporal things of this world that we share and enjoy. Uh, liking the same types of foods or having the same type of background or speaking the same language or perhaps enjoying the same types of music or supporting the same sports teams. And people get together and they, they find camaraderie because they have some commonality in the things that they enjoy doing. Maybe they have the same shared hobbies and interests and sports uh, uh, en enthusiasm. But the reality is this, my friends, that that which binds us together and is the foundation of our faith is none other than the Word of God. I think about what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 3 when he wrote to the Thessalonians there and, and said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There he said, your work of faith. In other words, what he was saying was this, you are doing what you do on the basis of what you believe. If you were to take a copy of the bylaws of the Freeway Baptist Church, Article 1 in our statement of faith is, The Bible shall be the sole authority for all matters of faith and practice. So, this is the final word. It's not the rest of the bylaws that are, have the final word. It's not what 
what the deacon said. It's not what the teacher said. It's not even what the preacher said. It's what did God say. The truth is, it is the, the sole and final authority for all matters of faith. That's what we believe and practice. That's how we carry out what we believe, you see? And so uh, we need to understand that in order for us to glorify God as His church, we need to base all that we do upon the book that He gave to us because it reveals the worthy one. It reveals the one to whom glory is due. It reveals to us His purpose and His plan. And apart from the truth of the Word of God, we are a ship without a rudder. Uh, We are absolutely lost in downtown without any GPS if we do not have the Word of God guiding us so that we might bring honor and glory unto God. I want you to think about this with me, about the fact that we cannot adequately glorify the Lord apart from from the Scriptures. And I I just want to tell you something. I'm grateful that we have a ministry on the Internet. I'm thankful that folks can find us here and listen to good preaching. And uh, I I think we, we need to sometimes... Be careful that we drink waters out of our own cistern. We, we need to understand that God has ordained for us a local assembly and a pastor for a people and that we need to have a common message and philosophy that binds us together that is rooted in the truth of the Word of God. Every day uh, I, uh, I look on, uh, on, on the email, I check out my text messages, I watch the feed on our church Facebook page. I don't have it personally, but I watch the feed on our church uh, Facebook page uh, to understand what's going on, how many people are watching our services on Facebook and things of this nature. And one of the things that I'm very aware of is the fact that so many people that call themselves a friend of Freeway Baptist Church are also the friend of many other preachers and websites and ministries that do not agree on the basis of what this book says. We are just, we have divergent opinions, and yet they're, they're following after those people and yet calling Freeway Home. You know, the fact is that, look, if it sounds good to people and it makes them feel good, they believe that it's true because they want to believe it. And the fact is that, look, there are times when I open this Bible and it reveals certain things to me and it doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel under conviction. And it's the Holy Spirit of God on the basis of the truth of the Word of God that is convicting my heart of some issue of sin or something that I'm doing, whether it be a sin of commission or a sin of omission that God by his spirit is convicting me from the truth of the word of God that I need to be doing or not doing and I I mean I like how that makes me feel but that doesn't mean that I can be dismissive of its truth and so I'm only going to have the capacity to glorify God as I do it through the word of God and I understand that the Holy Spirit will never lead me to do one single thing that's contrary to the revealed Word of God. And in in the book of John, in chapter 16, one of the great passages on the ministry of the Comforter, we read in verse 7, the work that He does, as revealed here in the Word of God, as it relates to our 
saving faith in Jesus Christ, our salvation. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus talking here, he says, for if I go not away, the Comforter, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now, those are the three things necessary for us to understand in order to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. If we were to take the time tonight, and we won't, but to go back to John chapter 3 and consider what Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, Uh, that we must be born again. And he said there that we must be born of water and of the Spirit. Two components necessary for the new birth. Here's what they are. Water, which is the Word of God. Jesus, uh, in John chapter 4, told the woman at the well, I'm the living water. And he that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And in chapter 6, he declared himself to be the living bread. And my friend, the living word is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the word in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So listen, the living water and the living word are one in the same. And so we realize that if we could turn Jesus into a book, we would have the Bible. If we could turn the Bible into a person, we would have Jesus. They are one in the same. This is the book that reveals Jesus unto us. And so it completely agrees with what the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So apart from this book, I don't have salvation. It's this book, the water of the word. We think about what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also hath loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. We read in Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And so, friend, understand that these and many other verses of the Bible declare to us, uh, perhaps John chapter 15 and verse number 4, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You see, the word is a cleansing agent. It is the water of the word. Two things necessary. Jesus said you must be born of water and of the Spirit. So I must have the truth of the Word of God and, secondly, the ministry of the Holy Spirit on the basis of the Word of God to bring me to the place where I recognize my need of salvation. And what does the Holy Spirit uh, teach us from the water of the Word so that we might be born again? Well, the Bible declares it. He says three things He's going to do. He's going to reprove the world of three things. One, sin. Two, righteousness. Three, judgment. Okay? If you don't agree with God that you're a sinner on the basis of the truth of the Word of God, you'll never be saved because you won't think you need it. We've got to be convinced of sin. Number two, of righteousness. Of God's worthiness, of His absolute holiness, 
and our absolute unholiness. And how that a righteous and a holy God would become unholy to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to sin. Our sin had to be reckoned with according to God's just law. That was the only way that all righteousness could be fulfilled and we might have judiciously, holily, and righteously the access into heaven. The only way is as all righteousness would be fulfilled. And Jesus came to this earth for this purpose, that all righteousness might be fulfilled. We couldn't fulfill it on our own, so Jesus had to do it for us. And that's the second thing that the Holy Spirit convicts us of when we come to Him for salvation. The third thing is of judgment. That is, if we reject the righteous sacrifice of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, there is a certain judgment to follow. And that that gives us the impetus and the desire to make a decision for Jesus Christ because we do not know, any of us, we do not know when the, the time may come, when our life may come to an end. Uh, we have people who are being drawn unto death, people that are right at death's doorstep. Right now, in our church family, we have seen so many people. Uh, literally, this Friday, I'll prepare to do my 17th, uh, participate in my 17th funeral in less than a year. And folks, I'm eminently aware that there are people who appeared to be healthy and carrying out uh, uh, productive lives, had no indication of sickness, and one day they're there and sitting on the platform and singing the choir, and the next time we hear of them, they are in glory, my friends. The truth is that we must all understand that that third thing that the Holy Spirit reminds us of is that uh, there's judgment to follow if you reject what God has done for us. And so that's, a, that's what He does on the basis of the Word because He is the Spirit of truth. And the Bible says that in verse number 13. It says of John chapter 16, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. So look, He's not going to guide you apart from this book. He's going to guide you into this truth. You see, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 8, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Not if you follow uh, someone who calls himself to be a, a, uh, a self-help a guru or a motivational speaker that tags in a little Bible at the end. Listen, I, there are people that flock after that nonsense, that follow the prosperity doctrine, and I'm here tonight to tell you that those people are using the Word of God deceitfully, and the Spirit of the living God is not a part of that. It is the Spirit of Antichrist. And the only way that we can glorify God in the church is as we do it through the Scriptures that the Word, the preserved Word of God. And I, I want you to see what it says here. How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He'll guide you into all truth. Now listen, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. For He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. You know what? The Spirit of truth is going to be the one that glorifies God. And as we subject ourselves to that truth, then 
we will have the capacity to then fulfill our purpose as members of the body of Jesus Christ and as a representative uh, part of the, the greater body of Jesus Christ, the Church of the Living God, uh, right here in Phoenix, Arizona, Freeway Baptist Church, will have the capacity to render honor and glory unto Him. I'm grateful for what the Bible tells us in the, in the book of First Timothy, it says there in First Timothy uh, chapter number three, or rather Second Timothy, it says there in chapter number three that all Scripture in verse sixteen is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, the God that calls us to glorify Him has given us His Word to provide for us all that we need to know about how that that may be accomplished. We consider what the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians and chapter uh, number 1. It says uh, there, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. That's you're doing the things that you're doing because of what you believe based upon the Word of God. And in chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 13, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when He received the Word of God, which He heard of us, He received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And what was the predicate upon which Paul made that statement? It was this in verse number 12, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. And how is that going to be accomplished? Well, you receive the word of God, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you that believe. And so friends tonight understand that it is an impossibility for us as believers to fulfill our purpose of glorifying Him apart from this book. It's tragic today that there are those who have no knowledge of the Word of God. And some even take some measure of pride uh, in not knowing. They just think, well, you know, you're going to tell me. Or, or I'm, you know, I'm going to dial in and watch it on the television set. You know, uh, I, I, I don't hope for calamity to come into our country. I don't. I don't wish for any harm to befall us. I don't want anyone to suffer. And I know that you don't either. But what I understand is this, that there are existential threats to our country and welfare from all around us. We could live in... Texas or some of those places that were afflicted by uh, storms and power outages. And if you're dependent upon the internet to meet your spiritual needs and the internet in your area goes down and you have no battery, okay, because you've used it up and now you're on your second day of everything being frozen over and the turbines aren't spinning because they're 
frozen solid. You have no power. And your only thought is, I've got to get some firewood and kindling wood together so that I can build a fire to keep myself alive. And you realize that you need comfort for your soul and help for your family. And you, 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 you grab your phone or your tablet or your laptop to think, I'm going to Google something and they're dead as a hammer. What then? You're going to pick up a book and you're going to fumble around and not know where to turn. You can maybe find John 3.16 because that's the one thing that you are familiar with and that's a good place to start. But my friend, the Bible really admonishes us to search the Scriptures, to give ourselves continually under the reading and the meditation of the Word of God. And listen, there is no shame right now if you do not have a good knowledge of the Word of God only in staying that way, you understand? And so, uh, listen, God has uh, given it to us, and we can trust it. It is His Word. And, and, and my message tonight is not really uh, uh, su uh, supposed to be a discourse on bibliology, though I have uh, kind of danced all around it, as it were, and given you the truth. But the, the fact of the matter is this, that we have a Bible that we can trust. And God has promised to preserve it. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Kingdoms are going to rise and fall. Nations will rise and fall. Even America could go that pathway. But one thing we know for sure, we can always count on the truth of the word of God. The, the Equality Act has been passed in the House of our Congress and is now going to the Senate and for all the world looks as if it may pass and the fact of the matter is that that will change our country and the, the makeup and the morals of our country and the ecclesiology in our country and the spread of the gospel in our country it will change things like they have never been before and the fact is what are we going to do then are we going to cave to the culture are we going to say that we're not going to do anything to upset anyone that might put us in harm's way or subject us to some sort of civil fine or criminal penalties because we have just simply declared the truth of the Word of God and it didn't comport what the liberals said was politically correct and we might have offended someone that thought that homosexuality was great and healthy and transgenderism was wonderful for kids under the age of 13 and that they should be able to have hormone treatments without their parents knowledge and, and uh, that, that, that they should be allowed to do things and we need to ha hire people that have divergent opinions from us and, and that's what the Equality Act might impose upon certain church ministries because it dismantles and does away with the Freedom of Religion Act. Truth is today that this is more relevant for us than we could have ever imagined even a year ago. And so it is incumbent upon us as a church to hold tightly to the truth of the Word of God. And my friends, that is one great reason why we need to start gathering more often together. And the Bible declares that in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, that we're to do it so much the more as we see the day approaching. And what I've seen in this world is that we're doing so much 
the less and not the more. And God's people need to gather together. We have folks this year that have gone back to drugging and drinking and living for themselves in the world. And, and they have gone back to things that give them no comfort in their heart because they yearn to be with God's people and under the preaching of the Word of God and to sense the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God in their life that they don't seem to sense in the front seat of their car or from their cell phone in their hand in their kitchen and I'm simply saying my friends is that we've got to get back to the word of God and understand he has a purpose for our lives and we'll never fully fulfill it until we determine to be people of the book we can glorify God through our adherence to the word of God and only that book and I, I folks I, I, I have Seven or eight points tonight I was going to preach, and I've preached one. And so, how much time do you have? <laughs> I'm teasing. You know, the fact is that, look, we'll come back and visit this next week. But I hope that if anything settles in your heart tonight, you'll realize that God's purpose for your life is that you bring Him glory. And anything that we think, do, or say that is outside of keeping with the truth of this book can never fulfill that. We need to be rooted and grounded in the book. Let's determine to fulfill our purpose of glorifying God through the truth revealed in His Word. Father God, thank You tonight for this book. Thank You, Lord, for who it reveals to us. Thank you, Lord, that when you ascended into heaven, you didn't just holler down, do the best you can, I'll be back in a couple thousand years. You, you gave us the Holy Spirit and you gave us your word to lead and guide us. Lord, you said that if you continue in my words, then are you disciples indeed. Help us to, to manifest in our lives that we are indeed your children because we are continuing in the truth of the word of God. And Lord, may we as a church understand that the worthy one is Jesus, worthy of all glory. And Lord, may we do so, render that glory unto him on the basis of his truth. For this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. My friends, thank you for joining us at Freeway Baptist tonight. I, I'm, I'm energized for ministry. I'm, I'm excited about what the future holds for us should the Lord Terry is coming. People need the Lord in this area. People need the Lord right where you are. I want us all to just commit in our hearts to put our shoulder to the plow, metaphorically speaking, and begin doing the work of the Lord. I hope that you plan, if you're physically able, to come to an in-person service soon and bring somebody with you. Support the work of the Lord with your tithes and offerings, with your prayers, and get in the book. Listen to the book. If you're not sure where to start, Read in the book of John. It's a wonderful starting place because it reveals to us who Jesus really is. And uh, the book of Psalms will give you comfort in your heart. And the book of Proverbs will be practical instruction for everyday living. And those are great places to start. But come into the house of the Lord. Become a part of a Bible study group, a Sunday school class, and begin to systematically, line upon line, precept upon precept, Learn and understand the truths by which God intends for us to live and thereby 
bring him glory. Now, if tonight you have chosen to listen to this message and you're not certain that you're on your way to heaven and that your sins are forgiven, I want to just say to you that God loves you and he wants to spend forever in heaven with you. But there's something that's standing in the way of that. It's called sin. As I mentioned earlier in this message, all of us are sinners. And we've got to be in agreement with what God said about us. And we understand that we're sinners by birth. We were born into sin. We're sinners by choice. And the fact is that there's a penalty for sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so, my friends, that death is a separation from God and a place of punishment for sin called hell. That's what you and I deserve because of our sin. The Bible declares that God loved us so much. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, I deserve to die and be separated from God in a place of suffering for sin called hell. But Jesus said, wait, I love them so much. God the Father said, I love them so much. That Jesus came to this earth to suffer our punishment in His own body on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for our sin so that we could justly be offered forgiveness and the offer of a home in heaven by a risen living Lord who paid the price for our sin if we would simply believe Him and receive Him. The Bible tells us, look, we, we have to believe Him with our heart, not just our head. Say, I believe in God. That's wonderful. I'm glad that you do. The Bible says the demons believe also, but they've not made a decision to receive Him. Receive not enough just to know, you must believe it and then receive the gift. The Bible says that salvation and forgiveness, is, it's a gift. A gift that God gives us by His grace. It's entirely free. Paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible declares that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what we have to believe? We have to believe Jesus died for us to pay the price for our sin that all righteousness might be that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, so that He, as a risen living Lord, could offer us life forever with Him in heaven. And if you believe that, and would like to receive that gift of eternal life through the forgiveness of sins, you can tonight ask Him to give it to you in prayer, and He has promised that you shall be saved. Understand, no magic words that get you in. It's not some some mantra that we pray and that, that, that that's the magic words that unlock the door. No, it's the sincerity of our heart, the belief that we have that I can't save myself, that Jesus is the only hope that I have of heaven. And so we come to Him believing that and trust Him. Right now I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I said, my prayer cannot save you. But if these words reflect the belief and the desire of your heart, make them your words to God. And pray them to Him, and He has promised that you will be saved. And as I pray this now, I invite you, if you're not sure of heaven and the forgiveness of sins, if you believe what I have just shared with you, that you pray this together with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I realize that I cannot save myself. And I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with God. I believe that Jesus died and was buried and that He rose again to offer me His life for 
forever. I'm now trusting in Jesus and Jesus only to be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Enable me to live for thee. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer believing tonight on the authority of God's Word, you're forgiven, you're saved. And when God saves you, He saves you forever. John 3.16 says we have everlasting life. That means it will never end. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, you are not even born yet. So Jesus knew every sin that you would ever commit in your life, and He paid for it in advance. He was just waiting for you to ask Him for that forgiveness so it could be granted. And so if you should fail tomorrow and commit some sin, having trusted Him tonight, Jesus Christ has taken care of that as well. And so we rejoice in the life that He gives us, which is everlasting. It will never end.